Hello, I'm Wayne. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, where's Invaders? What's he doing? Well, I'm here to explain what's going on on this episode. Mother Russia. You may have expected this about a month ago. And I'm sorry I didn't release it. I had various reasons, which I'll explain later on in the episode. Hopefully you saw the announcement on social media as to where it had gone and why. Otherwise you've just been sitting there for weeks, haven't you? Questioning things, wondering where I am. Well, I'm here now. Uh, And what I'm going to do, I'm going to play what was recorded for that episode a month ago. It's about 16 minutes. It's not a normal episode, because I haven't put some of the normal things in it. But I'll play it now, and then I'll come back and speak to you afterwards. So here it is, what was recorded a month ago for the song Mother Russia. Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast. That's right, yeah, no sponsor this week. Nobody seemed to want to be associated with a podcast with the title Mother Russia. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure you can imagine why. So, yeah, not a good time to be doing an episode called Mother Russia with what's going on in the world. I'm not sure when this episode's going to come out because... I'm recording it, but I've put a poll out on Twitter saying, should I put the episode out or postpone it or what? So I don't know when this will come out, whether it will see the light of day. Now, it's a bit annoying because if Paul Diano had warned me, I could have done the comeback a few weeks earlier and then got this this whole series out of the way and I wouldn't have this issue, would I? So yes, if you put Russia in the search bar on your podcast provider and you're hoping for some insight or commentary about world events, then this isn't the place. This is a podcast about Iron Maiden and I'm Wayne, as I explained at the beginning. And hopefully you noticed was the title of the podcast. Perhaps that gave it away as well. So on this show I actually look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s and 1990s Birmingham. And this week I'm looking at the song Mother Russia, which is track 10 on the No Prayer for the Dying album. Last week I looked at Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter and I had some comments on the show. Clive Gibbons said he never mentioned that there's ellipses in the title. And that's true, I didn't. An ellipsis is the three dots that you get, uh, that people use in emails. And obviously I made and used it in a song title. Bring your daughter, dot, 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 to the slaughter. So that sort of implied some sort of suspense and a pause. And I do apologise that I didn't put that pause in when I read out the name of the song. A bit disappointing because, as Clive Gibbons points out, I've got this fascination over punctuation, uh, but clearly I didn't mention it. Now, this isn't unique, is it? There's lots of other songs with ellipses in, like Flashdance, dot, 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 what a feeling. And, of course, Oops, dot, 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 I did it again by Britney Spear. But that's also got an exclamation mark in it after the oops. So that's particularly pleasing. Now, of course, I mentioned that there are some songs with rhymes in the title, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter and Charlotte the Harlot. And someone called Bouncer says, there's plenty of others in Iron Maiden's back catalogue. He says, what about Alexander the Great and Heaven Can Wait? Well, yeah, they rhyme, but they're two separate songs. I was looking at songs with rhymes in the title, so that doesn't really work, does it? Anyway, onto this song. A Mother Russia is about the country Russia. 
Now, the mother bit refers to the motherland, which it called itself when it was fighting oppressors in the olden days. And we've got to think about those olden days from the perspective of the song, which was released in 1990. So, you know, perhaps not. don't think of it too much about contemporary times. So those oppressors would have been the Bolsheviks and the Nazis, people like that. Now, there are other countries in that part of Europe that call themselves mother as well. And this is quite a common thing in the old days, sort of a personification of the country. You may have heard names like John Bull and Uncle Sam. Now, this is the last song on the album, and it's also the longest song. That must mean it's an epic then. Now, as it's the 90s, you won't be surprised to hear that it's not quite as epic as To Tame a Land, Roman the Ancient Mariner and Alexander the Great, as we'll find out. It begins with this jaunty sort of guitar, almost like a jerky alarm call with the harmonies. Um, now they didn't play this live, and uh, it's a shame because I can imagine Yannick busting some moves during this bit. We then get this sort of choir sound um, over some gentle guitar. Now, it's not like the choir last week, where it was like David Bowie and the Stetchford Male Voice Choir. This is more like a keyboard choir sound, uh, like some sort of pad. Yeah, you may remember we had similar in Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. It's got quite a reflective feel. And then gentle hi-hats and bass come in. So yeah, nice mood. Then we get the proper drums and guitar coming, and it sounds almost like a folk ditto. It still sounds like there's a bit held back. It doesn't quite sound like it's ready to go yet. But then Bruce comes in with the first verse, and that's good because now we know we're listening to Iron Maiden. Steve Harris wrote the song, and you might be thinking with the topic that oh, it's bound to be some ancient history song, but this is actually about how Russia was at the time in 1990. Now you may remember I've been quite critical of his lyrics before, but I find that he's actually quite poetic. He talks about snowflakes drifting and swirling round like ghosts in the snow. We can see he's come a long way, hasn't he, in his use of drifting since 1981 and that song Drifter. Now today, we might think of a different type of snowflake. It's got a different meaning. That's those people who are easily offended by supposedly little things, I don't know, like cornflakes being smaller than they used to be. And then the people who get offended that these snowflakes are offended by cornflakes being smaller than they used to be. They become snowflakes themselves, who are offended by supposed snowflakes being offended by cornflakes being smaller than they used to be. Um, back to the song though, and these snowflakes, they, they, they swirl, and that's a nice image, but they swirl around like ghosts in the snow. I'm not sure that works, because there's a repetition of snow, because snowflakes are the snow, so... If they're the snow, how can it be like other things in the snow? I mean, I mean, it says snow to rhyme with the word blow before it, but it means the snow that's already on the ground, where the drifting snow lands. Now, there's more to it than this. It's not just about snow. The first line asks, Mother Russia, how are you sleeping? That sounds strange, doesn't it? Talking to a country. Now, he's not standing on a pedestal addressing the nation like some 1990s TED talk. He's asking the country if it feels settled and comfortable, perhaps due to the great changes over time and the change they've just had in 1990. He talks about the weather, you know, those snowflakes, 
Which is what you do, isn't it, if you want to talk to people? Even an entire country. He's not going to ask Russia the time, like I might have thought to do. So naturally, he moves on to the weather. And, and this sets the scene. Russia's cold, isn't it? So he mentions the snow. But maybe these snowflakes from the trees are, are ghosts from the past. And the snow falling is like a symbol of time moving on and seasons changing. The lyrics then talk about a great empire and a man reminiscing of an age gone by. It talks about Tsars and being proud of the past. Now Tsars, which I may have pronounced wrongly, so feel free to write in, that's a good word in Scrabble, because you can spell it in several ways, and it's still allowed on the board. It's also a good way of getting rid of the C and the Z tiles, because they can be awkward. So this is good to know, a nice tip for you. Now in this song, it's spelt T-S-A-R, so that's not as useful in Scrabble, because what I'm going to do now is beat Mr Anagram to it and say that with that spelling you could use these letters to, to make other words like rats or star or arts and probably some others but I'm not going to show off um, but yeah I suppose now we're on the subject of Scrabble again just remember from a previous episode that oid isn't a word anyway this old man reminiscing of an age gone by the old days now this isn't necessarily Steve Harris's view but he's trying to get into the mindset of people in the country now that it's changing. So, you know, some of those people may not have liked the change. And 1990 saw communism falling, the Soviet state collapsed, and the Berlin Wall came down, didn't it, with Michael Hasselhoff's singing Freedom, which inspired Steve Harris to write The Klansman, which I think sounds a bit like Death of the Counts. In any walk of life, it's quite hard to adapt to change, isn't it? And you might expect me to flippantly mention a chapter from the Osborne book of Growing Up, and my experience as proof. But I've been advised it'd be quite inappropriate to compare this to regime change. Maybe this view is how Steve Harris feels about England or Britain. There's a bit of a parallel to an old empire from the past there, and people look back, and we still get that today, don't we? People wishing it was the olden days. That man at the bus stop who never catches a bus. And we know that Steve Harris liked writing songs about war and history. And we also know from his diary that he was annoyed that he couldn't buy spangles anymore, and that the pound notes have been replaced by coins. So change is hard then, whoever and wherever you are. After a couple of verses, it goes back to that folky melody from the intro on the guitars. Then it seems to change key, and it goes into an ethereal part with those choir sounds again. Now it's in the same key as the writing on the wall, uh, D minor, and a lot of people said they could hear similarities with Mother Russia and the writing on the wall. So that'll be why, won't it? Now D minor is one of the saddest chords. Uh, you know, it's often called melancholy. And uh, yeah, it's the saddest chord ever, according to that man in Spinal Tap, who wrote the trilogy Lick My Love Pump using it. After this choir bit, we get another breakdown. And this is similar to Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, with those rattling cymbals. But it still doesn't have that epic feel despite those ethereal voices before it. After this, we get more of a military feel with those rolling drums and a few solos. And there's a nice break in the solo, nice changes to sort of interrupt. 
which uh, throw you a bit, but I welcome it. So ultimately, the song is a long instrumental section, sandwiched with a few verses. There's no chorus, and uh, yeah, it's quite interesting, that. Quite a strange way to end the album, maybe. The final verse feels like the guitar follows the vocal more, but you can hear a keyboard in the back, a bit more prominent, maybe. So that's interesting. Now, after this song came out, the standard of living in Russia didn't really improve that much, so that hope for positive change maybe didn't quite come about. And the final line says, Can you be happy now your people are free? And he's still talking to Mother Russia there, and it suggests that the leader can't be happy with freedom because there needs to be some sort of control. And I read in a book that they've got this history of autocratic leaders. So maybe this goes against the psyche of the nation, this freedom, this change. Now looking at it today, maybe you'd say it hasn't aged well due to the current things going on there. And maybe it's hard to listen to, but Iron Maiden didn't foresee this change, even if maybe hindsight makes it seem a bit naive. Ultimately, there is that hope that the change will bring peace and a positive. Now, I don't feel like I'm in Russia when I hear this song, which is disappointing. I've not been to Russia, so I don't know what that's like. So you might think, how can a song make you feel like you're in a place you've never been to? Well, I've never been to Egypt, but Power Slave makes me feel that way. I did try listening to the song In the Snow once, but it didn't help. There's a photograph of Steve Harris wearing one of those Russian hats, those fur hats. They're called Ushankas. I don't know if he was in Russia at the time when it was taken, I can't remember. But if he was, maybe the atmosphere there made him come up with a sound for the song. When I first heard the song, I thought it was really good. It seemed quite serious after we've just had hooks in you and bring your daughter to the slaughter. But as time's gone on, I feel it's not as good. I think naturally we compare it to the other epics and it falls short. It's good, but it feels like there's something missing. And strangely, it feels like it's too short. Ryan, to give Trevor a ring. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Not bad. Uh, Mother Russia, though. I talk about that, haven't we? Yeah, what do you think about the song? Well, I like it. I think it's fairly decent. It's also good, because it means the album's nearly finished. Well, that's not very nice, is it? No, it's OK. I just feel like there's too much thrown into it in a short time. Right. Uh, I noticed Sisters of Mercy had a song called Mother Russia. What do you think about that? I don't know it. Oh, is that because they're a goth group? No, I've heard some of their songs. I'm not scared of the music, just the fans. OK. Now, in the song, Steve Harris mentions the phrase, Poetry Majestic. What does he mean by this? Well, he's talking about the great traditional poetry of Russia from that time. Maybe he's talking about the Empire. Now, Russians were obsessed with the collapse of empires in the 1890s. And that was a prominent theme in the decadent movement. We've heard about that before, haven't we? Normally, this was about the Roman Empire falling, but that never reached the Russians, of course. OK. Not long after this period, though, they were defeated by Japan, which led to revolution and the end of autocracy. OK. So, yeah, decadence, as I said. We've looked at that before, haven't we? Now, the difference and the similarities between Decadence and a symbolist. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Anyway, Tchaikovsky, you've probably heard of him. He was popular with the symbolists. Alright, well, how can we know so much about this? I've talked about this before. Shouldn't be a surprise. These art movements with Oscar Wilde and uh, I mentioned the character and Anna Karenina. 
in the No Prayer for the Dying episode. This wouldn't be a shock. I mean, I like Russian literature from that time. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You, you can't deny it or cancel it just because of one man. We're quick to judge, aren't we? And call people the enemy. Uh, but these Russian people are suffering as well. The, the boys going to fight for one man's vanity. And grandmas whose life savings have been devalued just because of one man. All right, Trevor, I said let's not get political. Well, I didn't say it, but I did tell you privately that we wouldn't get onto stuff like this. Well, I think it's important. Um, but yeah, I don't want to focus just on Russian poetry. There's important Ukrainian poets as well. Taras Shevchenko. Yeah, he was looking to keep Ukrainian heritage even in the 1800s. National identity is important. That's what my poem's about this week. Oh, you're joking. No, it's all right. So yeah, well, as I say, we, we try not to mention it too much, but uh, you're looking at it from a cultural angle. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't like war, but you know, killing people is obviously bad. But I think sometimes destroying the culture makes me sadder. I find it horrible when I see a museum being bombed. All that art gone, that history, dreadful. Okay. Anyway, you, you so you're not doing a poem about the war, which is good news um but you say it's about heritage or something yeah it's important you might remember my poem for back in the village no i don't well anyway i like that poet liz berry who she's from the west midlands hello back with the present day wayne and you've just listened to me in the past with trevor unfortunately we had that chat and then we had a break just at that point and then when we came back to finish the chat I didn't press record, or something happened anyway, and it didn't capture the rest of the conversation. We were talking, but we weren't recording it. So it was really annoying when I found out later that that hadn't worked. This added to the problem of releasing the episode. Any doubts that I had were just sort of furthered by this. It just seemed like fate that it wouldn't be released. In my opinion, I don't think people have missed out on the fact that there's no poem by Trevor, but I was concerned about negative feedback. So I rang him back and got him to say it again. Basically, after that part of the conversation, he went on to say that Liz Berry, this poet, had released an anthology of poems celebrating the language of the black country, the fading, forgotten dialect of the West Midlands. And Trevor's poem was based on this. So here we are, having a bit of a catch-up. Well, so I've got to read it again. Yeah, well, that's a problem. I didn't press record or something. It just didn't capture the conversation. Well, that's annoying. I don't think I can improve on the original reading, and that's just in a black hole, isn't it? Well, no one will ever hear it. Well, no, but you can just do it again, surely. Right, well, I'll try. OK. Dinner time. Faggots and peas. Then go down the outdoor. Say how am ya. Four cans of breaker, please. Walk down by the cut. The wind in my chops. Too much is changing. I miss the old shops. Yeah, I'm not sure it gets better with a second reading. Well, the original was better, as I've said, and hopefully my annoyance didn't come through in the reading. Yeah. Shall I explain what the words mean again? No, it's all right. Are we going to repeat the argument we had afterwards? Well, no, obviously not. Well, is that it, then? Listeners will feel cheated. Well, that's unfortunate, but that happens, doesn't it? Technology or something. Gremlins. Okay, well, as this has happened, will I get special privileges again in the album review special? I don't know about that. 
Well, I read recently on Twitter that someone said they wanted to rate my mix-up back, the feature. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. It was Eric from North Carolina, and he's young, and it just shows that it's me who brings in the younger audience with my cutting-edge vibes and street slang. Street slang? Yeah, I'm thinking I might try some hip-hop in the next series. It's 1992, isn't it? I might deliver poems in that style. No, thank you. All right, well, should we wrap it up there? All right, then. Well, hopefully everything's normal for the album review show special. Hopefully you press record. That's amateurish. I bet that's in Chapter 1 of Podcasting for Dummies. All right. I'll speak next week. OK. Thanks, Wayne. Bye. OK, yeah, so just on that, uh, you did mention an argument, and I'm sure people have noticed that. Uh, I don't want to dredge that up again, but uh, it was about him using the word cut. Uh, in the poem, he said, walk down by the cut. And cut is canal in the West Midlands. And I, I sort of questioned this because I thought he just got that from Peaky Blinders. But he said, no, he used it as a child. But there was no canals in Stetchford. So I said it was used on Peaky Blinders. And he said he'd never watched Peaky Blinders. And I said it was used on Peaky Blinders. And he said, again, that he'd never watched Peaky Blinders. Now, this went on for a while. Um, so you're lucky you missed that. So yeah, so it's a bit of a strange episode, as I've said before, a mixture of the present, which is me talking now, and what was recorded a while ago. So hopefully it's okay. I'll try and edit it together so it sounds all right. But yeah, as I said, some elements affected the decision not to release it. Clearly world events and the mess up we're recording with Trevor. And I wasn't totally sure about releasing anything anyway. I just recorded things in case. And I did a poll on Twitter to see what people thought. and. 52% thought I should release it as normal, so that is a majority, isn't it? But I'm a bit wary of votes with 52% saying you should do something. I tend to find they cause trouble and division. But some people did give helpful and thoughtful comments, so I thank you for those. Bane of the Woods said, It's a good opportunity to look at it from a historical perspective, and it's more poignant now than ever, and we can learn from history if we do not ignore it. And uh, Lacida666 said, please don't postpone it. We can take this chance to talk about how beautiful Russia is too. We need a reminder of what unites us instead of what's keeping us apart right now. Yeah, good point. And and Trevor did talk about Russia, didn't I? Back then, he was quite keen to point out that the Russian people are suffering as well. Andrew Whitnell said, it seems entirely appropriate to look back at the optimism and uncertainty of post-Cold War Russia especially the sentiment expressed in the last line of the song. And Colin Gage brought that up as well. He said, The final line in this song has been stuck in my head for the last week. I can't recall it feeling quite as ominous and prescient as it does now. So, a lot of powerful thoughts and feelings. And still the case, isn't it? Still still going on. But I feel the episode needs to get released at some point. So, here it is. Even though it's a bit different. In The Gap, I did release a special episode on Ko-Fi, an audio commentary behind the scenes of the last episode of Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. So I'd like to thank anyone who's bought a Frey Bentos pie in order to hear that special episode that can only be accessed on Ko-Fi. And I hope you enjoyed it, anyone who did unlock it. And if you didn't, or perhaps you didn't know about it, then you can do that at ko-fi.com forward slash wimp. The episode link will still be there, even if you donate after the event. You can still unlock previously locked posts. So thanks once again to anyone who's bought a Frey Bentos pie over the years or who gives a monthly Frey Bentos, which is even more appreciated. 
And you can follow me on social media. I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I think I'm on TikTok as well. I, I can never remember. So, yeah, find me there. I've had some comments since. Um, Goldie Wilson uh, is not happy that I'm releasing this episode now. He says it's a cynical move. He says, you're only releasing this now so you can finish the 1990s episodes by Christmas. I've done some maths, he says. Okay, well, that's, that's not right, is it? That might be the case, but I'm releasing it now because, as I said, it has to come out. We've got, we've got to do it. I've had a comment from Strickland who says that perhaps we should send Trevor over to read poetry to the troops. It's a bit of a strange one. I'm not sure if he wants Trevor over there to boost morale or maybe it's like a method of torture. Anyway... Also had a direct message from Einstein, who was, again, a bit annoyed and thought perhaps I should do a different song in the break. Maybe one of those B-sides you haven't covered before. And he says, uh, how about Invasion? And I mean, that if you think about why I've delayed this episode, the reasoning behind it, that, that clearly isn't a good suggestion, is it? So, uh, yeah, you know, to you, in fact, I'm, it's the first time I've used this term on a listener, but just eat the worm, will you? You may have noticed I've done some competitions over the last week, giving away some CDs and DVDs. Uh, in fact, Trevor did one, didn't I, in his shed? But, uh, yeah, some good anniversaries that came up. Number of the Beast, On Vivo, and uh, Rockin' Rio. And uh, congratulations to the people who won those. We had at K Balampikos, who won the Number of the Beast CD. We had Philly Binion, who won the Rockin' Rio CD. And we had Joe Duncan, who won the On Vivo DVD. So thank you very much for anyone who entered. Uh, it was good to see. And, uh, yeah, good to do something in the break like that. And uh, quite interesting to learn about people as well because one of the questions was about what South American countries has WIMP had the most downloads in. The top three I wanted because Chile was fourth. Now, several people said Mexico. And I was a bit concerned by this um, because, in my opinion, Mexico isn't in South America. I was concerned that I'd got it wrong, but I, I checked the maps. Luckily, someone pointed it out because I thought if I pointed it out, people might think they could have a second guess. So I just left it. But luckily, it was Metal Chat Podcast, Melissa, who pointed it out to people. Um, so, yeah, interesting. I mean, I was rubbish at geography, but at least I knew what continent things were in. But as it happened, if Mexico was included, I don't think any of those people who said Mexico were right anyway. So I was quite pleased by that. But anyway, the correct answer was Brazil, Colombia and Argentina. And luckily, I'm not going to focus on people's spelling of Colombia, which was another matter that irked me. Anyway, I don't want to leave on a negative. The good news is I can move on and it's album review show special next time. So uh, I look forward to that. So thanks for listening. Bye-bye.